we're back. This is the OMN Alumni Podcast. I'm Steven Sandberg. This is the season finale of the OMN Alumni Podcast. I can't believe we're already at this point. Thank you so much for following along on this journey as we talk to alumni of Orange Media Network. We're going to be back. Uh, We'll be interviewing more alumni and getting more podcasts up for season two. But it's a little busy going into September. It's the start of the school year. We've got a lot going on. So we're going to take a little break. But don't worry, we're not going away. We will be back with more podcasts soon. So stay tuned for that. I'm excited for our guest today for the season finale. Uh, She is a former... Locals Live producer at KBVR-TV and is now the video producer at Heart Creative. It's Kat Dykstra. How you doing, Kat? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you for having me, Stephen. I didn't know I was on the, the season finale. <laughs> yes, you are in an honorable spot. You are taking the season finale seat and we, we reserve the good stuff for last. So, yeah, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, you know, if, uh, if this doesn't go well, maybe we'll bump you up a couple episodes. We'll put somebody else last. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But no, I'm excited, uh, to, excited to have you on. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Yeah, yeah. As um, as I mentioned earlier, it's 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 smoky season, but but we're you know we're we're in the thick of it. We're getting through. Yeah, it's so. smoky. We've got a heat wave going on. It's really hot up in Portland right now. Uh, is your equipment all melted yet? <laughs> no, gratefully we uh, we have a very good air conditioning system. At my, <laughs> yeah, like I just I just like sleep on the couch. I don't go home anymore. <laughs> you just just sleep there in the office with the industrial yep. sized air conditioner. <laughs> Yeah. Now, when it, when you do have to shoot in like a hot environment, you know, especially if you're out so outside or you know you're shooting in like a hot room, is there any special care you need to take with your equipment to kind of protect it from heat? Unfortunately, there isn't a lot you can do in heat. Like you can you can obviously shield from cold. Um, you know, just like insulating and like throwing like water um, shields over your cameras and stuff. But with heat, you just like. You just got to get your shots quickly and get it out of there as fast as you can. Um, at least in my experience, uh, you can try and fan stuff as much as you want, but um, batteries uh, tend to overheat faster than anything if you're not plugged in, if you're like on the go and mobile. Um, but Well, that's yeah. where that big air conditioner comes in handy then and shooting indoors. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a food photographer, so I don't have to do a lot of stuff outside anymore these days, but um, definitely in the, the good old music days, um, filming in August on stage was <laughs> challenging. So Yeah, I bet. Well, speaking of food photography, I want to talk to you a little bit about your role with Heart Creative because you're doing work that really fascinates me. And if you let me geek out for a second here, I've always kind of uh, been fascinated by food photography and food video. Uh, so could you describe a little bit about the type of work that you do with Heart Creative? Yeah, 100%. Um, so essentially what my like day-to-day looks like, I am coming in and I'm making content, uh, commercial content and social media content for these uh, food brands. So I'm not working with restaurants necessarily, but I'm working with um, brands, like some familiar ones might be like Tofurky, Sweet and Low, um, Sugar and the Raw, uh, better being like a lot of a lot of the companies that we try and, and look for are also um, like B Corp or you know smaller um, doing doing good things with their their corporations you know for the most part and uh, we do their marketing strategy so um, a lot of the content that I'm making is like tasty videos um, tasty style videos like those recipe uh, you know those those uh, those videos you see on Facebook at like midnight that like make you hungry and get a midnight snack. That's that's what I'm trying to <laughs> that's what I'm trying to achieve basically. Um, and then sometimes also more like 
sensory videos, um, things that just are, you know, you could see like on a reel, it's just like a, like a honey wand drip or something really yummy there. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of just whatever, whatever content the client needs, um, mostly for socials, but we do do some commercial things every once in a while when, when they have that need. Um, and that, you know, is also including like talent models. Um, so those days feel a lot more like producing again, you know, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole like symphony of things going on um, to make yeah. that happen. But for the most part, I'm in a little tent um, and I have a full culinary kitchen and a full team that is helping to support me. And I'm sitting here making food look really, really yummy. Nice. What are <laughs> yeah. the secrets to making it look really yummy? Like, are there certain things you have to do as a, as a videographer to get it to just look spectacular on camera? Any there secrets? Yeah, there there's a lot of tricks in the industry. Um, like I think some like really common ones that people hear about is like painting glycerin on like glassware to make it look like condensation. Um, so people will put like oil in like coffee and other types of things to make it like the color look right. Um, however, that's not really what we do at heart. Uh, that's one of the reasons I'm like very proud of this company is like all of the food that we make is edible and I often do eat it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, like it's, uh, we do, we have a, a kitchen on site. So a lot of the times in food photography, um, like the industry standard is that you'll have a food stylist, right? Um, who will come in and like help compose alongside the photographer um, or videographer. And that includes like, non-edible components to make it look beautiful and last so that you can shoot the same dish for hours. Mm -hmm. um, but the way that we set things up at heart is that all of our food is fresh. Uh, we just have incredibly t like talented culinary <laughs> staff that sit and like maintain and sometimes like recook things or re like, uh, you know, we have a gun. One of my favorite things is when we're doing like cheese pulls um, for tofurkey or whatever. And like, we get this heat gun and just keep shooting it, you know, to make it keep it this like perfect temperature just so that you can get like the perfect cheese pull and it just like looks delicious. Yeah, that melty um, cheese stretching out like that. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, we we're committed to like making edible food look good. So that's partially like a really I don't know. I'm really proud of that because um, working in marketing, it's not false advertising if like the food is actually still food at the end of the day. You know, it's not, we're not doing the Carl's Jr. thing. <laughs> right, right, right. What you see is what you get, you know. You're, yeah. not, you're not doing the thing where uh, you see this beautiful picture of a burger and then you order it and it just looks like crap, you know. Like right. what, what you're making looks beautiful because it naturally looks that way. Yeah, it's not like, there's not anything like painted onto it necessarily. Um, yeah, so, so that's, that's kind of the the gist of what I do. Oh, you're not using, so you're not doing the tricks of like, oh, it's not ice cream. It's like styrofoam covered in like chocolate sauce or something, you know, the, everything Eggs. you make is real. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ice cream is actually my least favorite thing to shoot because shooting real ice cream is tricky um, and you got to move fast. Um, yeah. You got a ticking clock. Yeah. You, yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot, it's a lot of like, I've got five minutes to get this shot and then it's going back in the freezer for another like 20, you know? And so, um, so that probably yeah. requires a lot of prep too, I imagine, because if you know, it's going to melt, you don't have time to figure everything out once it's in the bowl. Right. So yeah. And a lot of the times we'll have multiple dishes as well. So, um, you know, if we're shooting something like ice cream, for example, or we know, or we know that we have 
like an in a very short timeline to get the shot, um, we'll prepare several um, versions of it so we can just like swap them out and keep shooting. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of my my like my general philosophy toward working um, in this kind of environment with food videography is just like really really planning out what I'm gonna do before I press record because I usually only have like one or one to three times to grab it. Um, you know, so yeah, it's it's cool. It's worth it's worth a little bit of extra stress though to be making food that can still be like eaten or donated at the end of the day, I think. So Yeah, and I really admire that because this isn't food that's being wasted. You know, it's being made and then somebody's going to be eating it afterward, whether it's the crew or whether it's whether it's donated somewhere else and it's not food that's immediately just going in the trash and, and being wasteful. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have um, a favorite type of food that you like to shoot? Oh, oh, that's a great question. Um I have a little bit of a bias toward like cocktails and drinks um or like coffee or anything anything like that. Uh personally just because um I think one of my favorite like jobs uh cuz I I've, I've worked in service my whole life basically. Um up until the last like few years of my career. And so one of my favorite positions was bartending. And I feel like that was the first time that I really got into like any kind of fine dining type, you know, approach toward the food I was making for other people to consume. Um, it was sort of a, a little loungy restaurant. So I got really into food styling myself um, for cocktails specifically. So I think I like to shoot them because um, a lot of the times I'm not a great baker. Um, you know, I don't do huge roasts personally. Um, and so when I'm shooting food like that, I'm leaning a lot more on like the culinary staff to style it for me. But I think I kind of like shooting cocktails because like that's sort of my time to shine in terms of my own personal styling and my own approach to it um, that I'm bringing like my own experience into. So so, yeah, I I I will totally get jazzed to shoot like a, a little Mai Tai scene or something, you know. Right. <laughs> that's and, kinda... and that's really interesting in that you would use your experience from bartending and having to, you know, make this look really good when you're serving it to a customer and now applying those same skills to video. I find that really interesting. Yeah, that's like the thing about, you know, um, when when I was working at like KBVR and like all of those uh, like that that period of my life, I was I was really working on music and and I mean I did I did I am a musician as well as a hobby you know but um, I think the thing about food photography that's like and videography that's like really gripped me is I'm I'm directly pulling influence from like my non-creative parts of my life um, from my food service from like the many jobs I've had in food service and like from the sales floor that I, you know, when I was like working in sales, like I'm learning to like market and like all of those things are coming together here. And like, that is kind of cool. You know, um, I think that when you're going for a creative degree, um, or you're going for like a creative field professionally and you, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta work your coffee job or whatever as you're working toward it, you know, it doesn't always happen overnight. Right. Um, sometimes it, whether you're experiencing it externally, you know, when people are like, what do you want to do? And you're like, oh, well, I'm just like working at the coffee shop right now, you know, and you always kind of feel like uh, not not necessarily judged, but, um, you know, you don't feel like you're on your path yet when you're still working the service job, right? If you're if you're looking for something in the creative field. 
Um, you're like waiting for your foot in the door for something that's a cre like creative, you know? Um, but this job is cool because I'm like, because of all of my food service experience is how I ended up here, you know? Um, yeah. And like I find that, and I find that experience in whatever field you're working in, you know, even, you know, when you're working those, those first jobs, you know, in the food service industry, industry or things like that, there are still ways as you are now demonstrating to carry those skills or those experiences forward and apply it to something that you want to do. You know, it's that idea of those transferable skills, but really it's also transferable experiences. You know, I, I feel like, and, and maybe, maybe you feel this way already, but I, I can see you being a better food videographer because you've had those experiences in food industry before. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. None, you know, those things that I, you know, you think aren't going to apply toward your goals or your dreams or your, or your future really at all. They're just like, this is what I'm just doing right now to get by. Like feeling those or looking back retrospectively and being like, oh no, those were actually the steps to get here directly. Um, you know, that's, that's cool. So yeah. When you're working with clients, I imagine that they all have different needs from their project that they're working with you. How do you find it best to communicate or connect with them to make sure that you're giving them what they need? Mm, that's a great question. Um, that's a little complicated for me to answer as well, just because I'm not always client facing. Um, so sometimes like my whole team is made up, my whole company is made up of, of an accounts team. Um, and then uh, we are without our beloved creative director because she has she has just moved on to a, a new position. Um, but we have a creative director who is usually kind of communicating those things to us. So I'm not always client facing in terms of directly hearing their needs. I'm getting like, this is... Um, this is the theme of, you know, what they want for this season or this package that we just sold them. And then I'm kind of, I'm trying to interpret that and, and work in pre-production that I think is gonna fulfill that. So I guess, um, yeah, I don't know. We, I think it's like a constant push and pull of like, what are they actually trying to communicate? Um, because a lot of the times the clients that we're working with, like, or they're not coming from a creative standpoint at all when they are um, working with us or partnering with us. And so sometimes like you get clients that are like super focused on their, um, just like their brand development and their brand presence. And then you get clients that are like, all I want is to convert clicks, you know, um, just like, you know, sell more of this product or whatever. And sure. so I think it's, it's kind of hard because I, I'm not usually a part of those conversations where I, where I hear that directly, but it is super important um, in terms of like, am I catering to a child audience? Am I catering toward, um, you know, someone who really cares about their health? Am I catering toward like the stoner at 12 p.m., you know, um, <laughs> like, like trying to get them to, to get these like cheesy snacks? I don't know, you know, so it's, it's a lot of just like, yeah, I, w I would yeah, say- Understanding your audience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like getting back to your original question, I guess like, yeah, there is some empathy coming from, um, like if I couldn't put myself in that person's shoes, I wouldn't know how to write a, even begin to write a storyboard to communicate to them, I guess. But that all being said, I feel like it is like a team effort. I am, I'm not the one necessarily making those decisions all of the time. Um, yeah, no, that so, makes sense. Yeah. 
When you're working on uh, food videos, what level of storytelling comes into play when you're making these videos? Because the the videos that I've seen that you've created are all very well done, and I feel like I'm kind of going on a journey when I'm watching them. Uh, do you do you bring an element of storytelling in with you when you're shooting food video? I think so, for sure. Um, and like that kind of depends on on the uh, on the client as well. You know, so some some folks, you know, within their brand parameters, want these like really moody um you know dramatic uh videos um i love i love working with sugar in the raw all the time because of that um and you know the way that they shoot their 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 recipe videos is very like glamorous and and not so you know top down like this is how you do it but more so this is the experience that cooking this roast will give you you know um so yeah i would say there's a there is a storytelling element um a lot of the time i think that um sometimes if it's like a breakdown of a recipe video you know like there are kind of key like moments that are just like this measurement you know and you're just trying to visualize that in a creative way um but i feel like the usually the opening shot and the end shot especially you know you you create this whole scene where this dish is going to live and like this idea of where it would be best served you know um if it's like a a peach upside down cake for example is something we're working on you know it's it's going to be um most likely you know served at the end of summer at the end of peach season you know um maybe for like a a family get together it's been really weird tackling a lot of this stuff throughout the 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 quote covid days as well you know because a lot of a lot of times people are connecting over food um like you know around a dinner table or with their families or coming together for holidays and so it's like We've been trying to tell these stories like a little differently. Um, you know, gathering around food is not as common um, when things are obviously a little little scary and up in the air um, in a pandemic. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you imagine where this like upside down cake would live or where this roast would live and you do create a story around that um, as much as you can. Uh, in those like last two shots where, you know, you're gripping someone and bringing them into the video or making them interested in this recipe. I feel like I don't necessarily, I'm not attracted to, I don't see the story in, in like the measurements, but those, those two key hook scenes, you know, um, is what's going to make me click and watch something. So <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and that's, that's what it's about. You need to connect with your, with your viewers and, and get them to, to feel what you want them to feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have been working on these projects and you mentioned this earlier, uh, when it came to ice cream, but what are some of the challenges of working, uh, with food video? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> So anytime I have to do a chicken or like bake a cook, like, you know, rub a turkey or something like that, like I'm not even the one doing it, (laughs) but just like, but just like shooting it. I, you know, there's like some, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a trash compactor when it comes to food. I like a lot of things, but like, God forbid you're ever shooting something that you really don't like. It's, (laughs) it's hard to like get into it. You know what I mean? Um, I, yeah, like hard, I re- hard to really appreciate a big juicy steak, you know, when oh, you're vegetarian. Yeah, like raw meat, you know, just like, yep, <laughs> just like slap it. It's so tasty. Yeah, no, I don't know. But um, I think, I think like challenges are just, um, I, I, for, for me personally, you know, with, with the photographers, for example, like they don't necessarily go through like the process stuff of, 
of the the dish they're shooting um and like in certain ways i think that's incredibly more pressure because they have to communicate everything in a single frame and i my brain doesn't work like that um you know i like the storytelling and like the building of something and like the motion makes sense to me but um but then sometimes if i'm shooting something that like i don't know how to cook I don't know how to bake anything. Like I <laughs> am a really bad baker, and and some sometimes when I'm um, working on a recipe where you know it's it's all sugar and flour or something, and and you know like it's the the chemistry of baking is so tricky to me, um, and sometimes cooking too, you know. But like you know sometimes it's like there there are recipes that are incredible. We have a very talented culinary staff and very talented recipe writers, you know. And so sometimes you know you it's like the the shot process is like I'm sauteing this thing and then you have to add this thing by a tablespoon um, over the course of two minutes and then you immediately have to take it off the heat and it's like you know it's it's quite sequential and if you mess up the sequence then like or I you know making both I don't know if you've ever made boba before but like holy cow that is that is chemistry <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, and so I guess I guess there's times like that if it's like something I don't personally know how to cook um, I I I have to lean on to my team a lot. You know, I have to lean I have to have someone from culinary there like you know coaching me literally coaching me sometimes and coaching me and my talent as well. Um so I think there's like some and obviously you try and do as much prep as you can um beforehand so you kind of know what you're doing but ultimately like I'm not necessarily taking the recipe I'm going to shoot on a Tuesday home with me on Monday and like doing it myself, you know, so I I'm, I'm like that familiar with it or anything, right? And so Sure. So I think you know, maybe I should, but like, um, I'd have a whole lot of whole lot of pies at my house, I guess. But it's, well, outside of the job, are there things that you like to cook? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I am I am a little personal bartender. Like, um, I do love cooking Mexican food uh, all the time. Like any kind any kind of Mexican food. Um, my mom like my mom grew up in Arizona, so they they did a lot of Tex Mex. Um, and just I feel like I've always grown up with like a lot of cumin um like chili powder and (laughs) and cayenne in like every dish that I ate so um those are kind of like my bread and like my go-to I I'm not I just I really struggle with baking honestly that's the only thing (laughs) I just like (laughs) I just don't do and we do a lot a lot of it like being that like I'm in the heat of working with um like the in the raw products right now and so being that they're all sweeteners, a lot of a lot of their products are, um, or a lot of their recipes are all um, pastries, you know, and so that's on my mind right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I do like I do enjoy cooking. I like eating food a lot more than I like cooking though. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's one of those things that I don't do it very often, but when I do, I I I, I can't like casually cook, you know. Um, <laughs> it's so. not something that you're just gonna just kind of whip out whenever you know it's, it's something that you're gonna put a, put a little time into yeah right like I, I can't just do like I, I I rarely cook on the weeknights you know um I, I well I, I, I am definitely a takeout person on the weeknights and then on the weekend I'll cook like this meal that took me five hours on a Sunday you know or something <laughs> like that but but yeah what's your favorite Sunday night meal what if you're gonna put in that five hours to make something what do you what do you put it into Oh, lately I've been really into like onigiri. Um, one of the one of the folks on the culinary team that I work with regularly, um, she is really, really, really talented um, with like Japanese cuisine. 
and has just been like very ins like inspiring me like constantly um and so i recently i like onigiri isn't like complex by any means you know but um i am trying really hard to do it really well i guess so that's been something i've been giving giving a few hours to a lot on the weekends and and then like you can eat it through the week right you know they're little snack rolls rice rolls or whatever so you can just um, I don't, I'm not like a huge meal prepper, but that would be the closest thing I'd say. <laughs> do to can, it, so. Yeah. You can kind of, you can kind of pop them, you know, throughout the week. Yeah. And like, there's like literally, you can literally, I think I like the notion of experimentation with it too. You know, like you can do the classics like tuna, like red bean paste and, and all of those things, but you can also just like put hamburger or like spicy carrots. I mean, you can, you can kind of get creative cause it's, yeah. Um, there's no limits, I guess. So that's been that's been what I've been working on lately. I guess is trying to yeah trying to get the sticky rice right. But. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll talk more with Cat coming up right after this. Hey, we're back. We're talking with Cat Dykstra, video producer for Heart Creative. Kat, in your time at KBVR, you were the producer of Locals Live, which is a weekly live music performance TV show. What got you interested in producing that show to begin with? Yeah, that um, I I think that Locals was the the like legacy show that got me into um, that got me into TV back when like Orange Media Network wasn't Orange Media Network; it was just in the student media hall in Snell. Um, I remember, I remember Austin very vividly. Um, when I was, I was starting as a DJ at Kiva VR and they, they were like taping locals live. And I just remember like kind of peeking in and like watching an episode. And I was just like, if I'm going to do TV, I, I didn't know if I wanted to do TV when I started there, I was just DJing. Um, very always, you know, had an anchor in music and, and, and whatnot, but, but like watching, watching those guys pull that show off in Snell, like, I yeah got some wheels turning um, for the rest of my time, and so I was like a little baby freshman when that happened. And then I, di I didn't really I didn't really come around TV um, again until my junior year. But just yeah, um, the community and the legacy that locals had just like really attracted me um, to it. I felt like there was just so much like creativity um, coming out of it, um, and and yeah, there were, there were some cool fellas that were running it before me that I had connected with as DJs, um, had connected with personally outside of KBVR. Um, and, you know, once once I was an upperclassman and just kind of taken, taken school a little more seriously, I, I stepped in um, to host it. So yeah, and then from there, from the, I honestly was never trying to produce the show. Um, I just really wanted to be involved with it. Um, I really wanted to maybe like direct or um, you know work on the cameras and get some like technical experience out of out of um, working on that show, but I don't really remember what like possessed me to apply for it <laughs> at the at the end of my junior year. But like for some reason, I was just kind of like I'm just gonna go. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Kind of. Um, and somehow I just really like vibed. I had some really strong ideas about what I would do if I did get it. Um, and I think that me and, and Ben, the, the station manager at the time, just like had some, we had some overlap with our, with our vision for the station. And, and so um, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have stepped in. And it, I mean, I just, um, it just flew from there, I guess. Uh, yeah. 
And producing Locals Live is a big job. There's a lot that goes into it. You're coordinating with artists, you're organizing your crew, you're, you're leading the production. What part of that did you enjoy the most? I really enjoyed just the absolute trust of, um, like in the community of the Locals Live crew. Um, I, I mean, it's a volunteer show, right? It's, it's completely volunteer hours aside from the producer. Um, and so everyone, you know, like you, the, my, my director was like my right hand, you know what I mean? Um, and I would have different directors, but every time I had to like have a new director, you know, I was like, this is a new chapter of the show literally because like every single person was like, so in like instrumental to pulling that broadcast off every week. Um, so, you know, I'd have a lot of folks that would just return over and over and over again. And it just, it created a really, really strong community. And, um, you know, at the end of every season, we'd all, we'd all go out and, and like genuinely watched a lot of friendships come out of that show, um, like for myself, but also just like among my crew members. And, and like, that was really, really, that was really cool, honestly. <laughs> like that was my favorite part. Um, That's great. Yeah. Were Not to be... Not to be cheesy or anything like that, but... <laughs> That's not cheesy. And, you know, I find in, in talking to a lot of alumni over the course of this podcast is that they they have a lot of similar stories where they are kind of in the trenches on projects like this together with their, their team or their crew. And it just builds such strong relationships. You know, have, having to go through that every week that, all right, we're going to have a band come in and we're going to make it and we're going to put this together. It builds some really strong bonds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I loved the music too, you know, like one of one of my big goals when I like, my, one of my like cornerstones when I started producing, um, there was like a period of time where um, uh, the, the year like leading into, um, the year that I was like hosting and the year beforehand, it was a lot more like four piece bands, you know, um, pretty regularly coming through. And I really wanted to bring in like, or like reestablished because um, I think the the guys that really got this going for me in in Snell, you know, like Austin and those guys, like they'd have like mostly Wada on, which was just like a legendary show for locals, you know, mm-hmm. um, a, a legendary session, and and I just wanted to bring a little bit more like diversity in in the music that we were bringing on to the show. That was like my only goal, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> like I was just like, let's bring on some techno because like I don't know if it's gonna work out, but I don't think that we've done that before. Like, let's bring in more hip hop. Let's bring in like these these things that are just a little different, you know, because I feel like everyone got really comfortable with the four piece band. Um, and why was it, that important for you to, to bring in uh, some some more diverse artists? Um, I think just in general, like Corvallis and the whole valley as a whole has like an amazing diverse music scene like there is so much going on um, with like the DJs in Corvallis and Eugene and Portland, and there's so much going on in the hip hop. And like, I I know especially the last couple of years at my time at OSU, um, there was just like this insane hip hop collective that was coming out of Corvallis, and I was like, these guys should be on the show. These guys should be able to. I mean, you know, it's 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 college media. It's it's free. It's you know, it's a small broadcast, but like. Let's get some some of these folks visibility because they deserve it too, you know. Um, and yeah, and I don't know. It was just important to challenge um, kind of the status quo the entire time I was producing. I was always sort of trying to push boundaries, I guess. Um, 
<laughs> like, so I, I, I'm having flashbacks to that one heavy metal show. <laughs> like, so, um, well, yeah. And sp- speaking of that heavy metal show, you know, there, there are challenges that come with producing, uh, a show like locals live. What, what parts of being a producer really tested you the most, you know, as a leader? Um, there were just like a lot of hard decisions sometimes. Uh, sometimes I, I mean, sometimes it'd be on my side, you know, like I'd have crew that just like couldn't make it or there was just like personal stuff going on and I like would have to be running for positions or, or you know, um, pivoting, you know, hours before or an hour before we went on, you know, um, or ma- major technical difficulties always is scary when you're broadcasting, but um managing and wrangling musicians in general <laughs> like <laughs> like is is a completely underestimated part of that job you know um musicians are really really talented beautiful humans and um and as a general population uh and every once in a while though you can get divas you can get you know for lack of a better term troublemakers like they're also pushing boundaries and trying to be creative you know so so making sure that everyone is, <laughs> you know, still playing by the rules can be kind of tricky sometimes, uh, <laughs> I guess. How did um, you navigate that when you had situations where maybe you had an artist that, you know, was being being a, a bit challenging to work with? How did you navigate that? Um, boundary setting <laughs> is, <laughs> is something that you learn, I think, like, it, like producing in general, I think like any leadership position, um, you'll completely fall apart if you if you can't set boundaries. It's not sustainable if you can't set good boundaries with your talent, with your crew, you know, um, and I think that definitely producing, like, p- could push that for me, um, sometimes, but, like, yeah, the, the story that I think we're, we're kind of leading into here, <laughs> you, you know, um, I think that was the hard, probably the hardest, that's my favorite question when, when I get interviewed for a new job is, like, what was the hardest situation you've ever, or like the hardest moment of conflict you've ever had? Um, and I think I remember you telling me this the night that happened. Um, you're like, this, you'll, you'll be able to use this for any job interview you ever do. And I do all, every single time. Um, but basically, you know, um, not shying away from hard conflict and, and not being able to like, or being able to set your boundaries um, when there is hard conflict. Uh, I guess strong personalities, um, but yeah, is it cool if I tell the story or? <laughs> yeah, that, that I was that was gonna be my next question is if you wanted to tell a little bit about what happened. Yeah, so so this this uh, event that we've been alluding to um, started basically this this band. They were they were super fun, um, amazing musicians. A uh, little like a little hardcore, but I was like, let's do it. You know, um, I don't think we've had a, a screamo band in the studio in my time, you know, as a producer or as a host. And so I was just like, let's, let's try this out. Um, and they were from Eugene and they, they drove all the way up and, um, they had the largest, uh, setup I've ever seen, (laughs) like in terms of like speaker subwoofers that they were bringing into the studio, um, alongside our own PA system, which was pretty dope. And so, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they had just had like these walls of speakers and they were going to be so loud. And I was so excited to just like annoy the entire fourth floor for the (laughs) evening. Honestly, I was, I was like, this will be really cool, you know, but, um, yeah, they, they were, they were cool guys. They were definitely like a very strong group of personalities, but, um, ultimately they just kind of made some, 
decisions uh, like and it's hard because i remember being frustrated about this the night of because it's you know in the music scene there are some givens right there's it's if they're playing at like bombs away for example or so you know like uh, a local venue it's not uncommon for musicians to like give themselves some liquid courage or something right Sure. And so um, I think that it was it was kind of being like tugged in between this like, well, this is the expectation, but you're on a college campus. You know, yeah. this is the expectation, but this isn't a live venue. Um, and so that was like personally hard for me because I was like empathizing with them and their decision to um, I think I think they were smoking like weed, like right outside the campus or, or right like on campus, basically, mm-hmm. um, but right outside the studio. And um so they made the decision to do that, um, and if it wasn't like obvious, like it, it probably wouldn't have been a, a big. I mean, like if it wasn't obvious, we wouldn't have noticed, you wouldn't know. Have known, but yeah. it, but it was incredibly obvious, <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, you know, it was just like one of those things where I'm like, I think I, if I'm being very honest, probably would have kind of like turned my head away for the sake of the like expectation that a lot of musicians do, turn to that before they perform. Um, but I'm glad that we had like a check and balances, um, just because that wouldn't have been super cool to my crew, um, if we hadn't like addressed that, you know, and like, I guess it, you know, it totally was making some folks uncomfortable. And while I was kind of just like spinning around, just being like, all right, like, how do we get this broadcast on? Um, ultimately, like there is a code and, and rules that we follow for a reason and to make sure everyone feels safe. And, and it was important to be like you know, to, to face that, I guess, despite like not basically deciding the show does not have to go on, <laughs> you know, right. um, for the sake of, of these guys and their personal choices. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I feel like we had a, a good conversation, a good reality check, like, what was it like 10 minutes before broadcast where we're like, you know what, these guys are intoxicated, you know, and, right. um, it, and like everybody knows, you know, and, and, and it's, it's not, it's not like something that is, is going to fly, you know, and it, and it shouldn't. And so I would think it was like actually literally five minutes before we brought, got like, we had our run times about to go. We decided to pull the show and, um, it was incredible because that was, that was a really hard choice because it was just like, yes, I understand why they thought that would be okay. Um, but I, you know, briefed them beforehand. We had this document that we would send out to bands being like, these are the rules, these are the expectations. And, um, you know, like a, like a contract more or less, right? Yeah. And, um, and they decided that, you know, they broke that. And so it was, it was hard because it's like, I don't want to cancel the show. Every, you know, it was like this huge production. It was like one of the larger productions we had. My crew was excited, I was excited. Um, and it, but ultimately, I think it was the right choice. They were not so stoked about that, though. No, <laughs> so, I imagine not. <laughs> yeah, and and if you can imagine being like five four, and going into this room, you know, and and like you you backed me up, so it wasn't like I was alone. But like going into this room and having to face these like huge heavy metal dudes wearing face makeup, like <laughs> just like <laughs> just just like the sheer you know, intimidation factor. I think it was just hard to be like, hey, yeah, we're pulling your show, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah, and and it ended up breezing over. Like they weren't super 
I mean, it wasn't like a super amicable split to the night, but I mean, what, you know, we stood our ground. Um, my crew, like, totally supported the decision, you know, ultimately. Um, you know, we all debriefed afterward and, like, we're just like, dang, that really blows. You know, we were all really excited about that show, but, um, you know, no, the being able to make a hard decision like that um, literally, you know, get the poop scared out of you by like four heavy metal dudes um, <laughs> and and then like have that amazing like community like to fall back into. Um, that was that was like that was probably the hardest the hardest challenge. I always think back to that one like it, it will starkly be re- like like I said my um, favorite answer to that interview question. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that night I remember uh, so vividly. Um, and I also remember being just extremely proud of you that night uh, for, for exactly what you described, for making such a hard decision, but making it for the right reasons. You know, and, and you looked at that situation, and, and I know that, that we had talked, and your, your crew and you had talked, and to make the call to say, you know what, we we can't do this. We need to make sure that we protect protect our crew, um, and make sure that we don't, you know, get, we make sure we don't get in trouble. You know, or like, cause, you know, imagine what would happen if, you know, somebody comes by and it's like, oh, why are you, why are you hosting, you know, these clearly intoxicated, you know, folks that are that are smoking in the parking lot, you know, um, but for you to have made that decision and have it be so difficult, but to make it for the right reasons. I was so proud of you that night. Um, and, and what you did for your crew and for your show was just completely blew me away. Yeah. And I really appreciate hearing that. Um, and I, and I felt that from you that night and I, and I felt that for myself afterward too. Um, it was like a hard decision and I definitely was cranky, (laughs) you know? Sure. Um, but, and I like being able to like admit that, you know, but it, it did feel like the right choice. And, um, yeah, I feel like that experience, um, walking away from it was kind of like a moment of just like, dang, like I have a lot more confidence than, like I, I, that, I mean, the general gist of producing or, or being in a position of student leadership at all, like it doesn't, not even just in TV. Um, I feel like there's a lot of folks that get into it and, and something I remember just generally um, throughout those meetings, throughout boot camp and all of those things is everyone is nervous. Like you're holding this like leadership title, but everyone's freaking nervous, you know, and, and doesn't exactly know what they're doing, you know, like but you present that way and you lead anyway, um, even when you are going through like really hard decisions like that. And and ultimately I think um, that experience and why I would always push someone to, to go through or, you know, try at least just like, you know, what's the worst that can happen if you, if you get the job, right? Um, I know that sometimes that pressure can be a little intense um, too. And there were definitely moments when I was producing where I was like, burned out you know um but I think I don't walk away and think about the burnout as much as I think about like those nights of in- sheer confidence and adversary ad- ad- uh, la- la- la. sheer um adversity overcoming adversity <laughs> so yeah. yeah and and you know what at the end of the day you know you end every Friday night with a with a music concert and I think that's a good way to end the week as well yeah totally um that was like yeah 
just the the notion of of it being this I mean I a performance every single week I, I it was so funny because like my show was a little different than every other show I, I know I know that like split screen was a legacy show that also was built on like live broadcast but um I didn't do anything until Friday <laughs> like <laughs> like I I mean I would I would have my rundown you know I'd, I'd do all of that pre-work but I couldn't really do anything until Friday like all of my work happened the day of so it was just like this manic race to the finish um you know very very like focused day you know whereas I know other producers were you know trying to get their they're basically creating like short films every other week or something right and like they're they're going out and shooting and they had the the technical things they worried about were not the same technical things I worried about Mm -hmm. and and ultimately I feel like I worried about a lot less technical things excuse me I worried about a lot less technical things um as a whole because it was really just organizing (laughs) and like and like letting my crew do their job you know um that was I think the other big part of of producing locals that I was um really passionate about I guess like when I was hosting I really wanted to do other things um I know I you know I I appreciated being you know told I was decent on camera or, or you know charismatic or whatever and that was probably a, a good fit for me to host the show I suppose um I I didn't ever like hosting <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know I wanted to do some other things but I um you know those that that the leadership that I experienced was a little bit more like once you get your role you stay there and like it was so important to me when I was producing that if someone came and they started on camera but then they wanted to direct or they wanted to be in the control room or like they were a really good graphics operator but they wanted to learn audio like it was it was so important to me that everybody had a pathway to do what they wanted to um and sometimes that would mean that like I wouldn't have my strongest audio engineer on audio you know like sometimes I would have um I I don't want to say objectively less good shows you know but like you know I, I could have been like you're good at this and you're gonna stay in that box but I that was like absolutely against my philosophy with producing yeah you know the shows um, didn't need to be perfect it was about you know giving people the opportunity to try new things and grow and learn and get better yeah it's it's student media you know um like that's where we practice and like where else are you gonna get that um experience you know it's a, it's like a perfect like trial run to figure out what you want to do like that's why we're all going to school right and so um I didn't I really really didn't like being put into a position I wanted I wanted people to be able to move horizontally upwards whatever quit for a term I mean whatever they needed really um yeah and so that uh, yeah that was that was cool and you're making a legacy too because the people that you train are the ones that then become leaders and then train others and so you know some of the things that that you started with your team we're still seeing you know passed down uh among you know producers and directors to crew even now so you're building that legacy over time yeah i um i objectively think that locals got really 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 cool after i left (laughs) like (laughs) like i watched i watched what like you know garrett and some of those guys did after i took off and and just like with my jaw on the ground you know what i mean like um, and I'm not like gonna take credit for any of that. I mean, all of those people are are so talented in and of them themselves. But I'm really happy that I could have any kind of contribution toward like, you know, making them feel 
like passionate or, or or creating a space where they were did become passionate about it because that passion like fueled their technical growth their creativity and, and everything like that and I think that's that's so dope <laughs> yeah. yeah and you wrapped up your final year at OSU with a project with a few other folks at KBVR uh, called KBVR sessions uh, which were these amazing music performances and, and videos that you shot. Uh, tell us a little bit about what KBVR Sessions was and what your approach was to it. Yeah, so KBVR, KBVR Sessions was um, the opposite of Locals. So <laughs> um, there was a period where I wanted to to get Locals off of the broadcast so that I could focus on the quality of it or, or could focus on like the the fine-tuning. Like the I wanted to dial in the the music shows a little bit um toward the end you know, like the yeah like you said the last couple seasons of locals I want I wanted to kind of um I I didn't want to give up the community and like the I guess the mentorship um that that locals could yield but um I did want to like make something portfolio worthy or like focus on that aspect of it um and I felt like that was challenging for me personally just from my background in the broadcast space. And so um, basically what happened, I, I cannot take any credit for like starting this. I, I do have to give Sam a massive shout out for being the, uh, the brainchild for, for doing this, this whole thing. But basically Sam approached me and Polly um, and Ziad, uh, you know, all other like student leaders or, or folks who were working um, at Orange Media Network uh, my senior year, my junior senior year. And whatnot, and he wanted to get this this crew together to um, do smaller sessions, you know, less less production value, just kind of like black curtain and focus on the music, focus on the audio, um, and do some like more intricate camera work that you can't do with like a giant broadcast camera, right? You know, and so the goal of that was just to, you know, we were coming in on the weekends, like literally, you know, every weekend. <laughs> Um, for like the thick of our, our spring and winter terms to um, shoot these bands that maybe couldn't always make it on weekdays or they were like really good band, you know, really good bands that we were, like couldn't get for a season that we had an opening for. Like I, I booked locals out pretty early, you know, so I'd, I'd book it out sometimes like the season before I'd have the next season already booked. And so um, these were like those bands that, that couldn't make it make the cut there. Um, and like, it was just this really cool little brainchild between all four of us, um, putting in a lot of blood, sweat and tears, like way more time than we should have. I think, I think there were some, some grades that might've slipped because we were so into this project sometimes, <laughs> you know? Um, but it was really cool. And ultimately, um, you know, we, we made some connections with artists that, you know, are still strong and we, um, like that those that content I remember performed very well for um KBVR uh for Orange Media Network in general um and I was super proud of it you know and it, and so it was like a space where I didn't have to mentor so much but I could actually like creatively get behind a camera and work on my technical skills and so like that was that was what it was for me and how it started at least yeah, it was almost like a capstone project, too, because it's like you all were applying those skills because all of you were, were pretty close or most of you were, were pretty close to, to graduating. And it's like you all applied these skills that you had built for years and years. And it was this culmination, it seemed like, of this of creativity and, and talent and expertise in that. I, I thought they were just tremendous, tremendous works. 
thank you so much. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of how, yeah, it's how I felt. And that's how I think all of us felt. It was just like, yeah, it was just like a space where we could just like turn the, turn the leadership off a little bit, you know, and just like actually make something from our skill set directly, you know, and, and it was, it was amazing. And I mean, like, ultimately, I think the KBBR sessions is what, um, was the, I mean, it absolutely was the foundation and the groundwork for um, the company we started immediately upon graduating um, together, all four of us that last, I mean, we, we did that for years after, after graduating, you know, and so, um, yeah, like, we all worked so well together in that space that it ended up becoming like this, like, lifelong partnership, I guess. Um, uh, and we did some amazing things after our time um, based on around the KBBR sessions as well. Um, so when I graduated, I graduated first and then I think they all like had some subsequent terms to finish up. But um, we would spend our summer working on this thing called the ranch that was very similar to the KBBR sessions. It was just like bare bones crew, Sam on audio, me, Polly and Ziad on cameras. And um, Sam had this property out in or has this property out in the middle of uh, Eastern Oregon, basically, that is just this, like, big range of, I mean, it's the ranch, you know, it's it's acres and acres and acres of, of wildland out in the middle of nowhere, and we would bring, instead of bringing bands into the studio, because we did, like, once we all graduated, obviously, we we're like, okay, how do we keep doing this um, without a studio space, you know, and uh, we weren't all, like, living together or anything like that, so, or we didn't have a space that we could do that in anyone's house, and that was like, you know, worth it, you know? And so we were like, what if we just made this huge event? And that was a production, like yeah. getting getting bands. We had bands coming from Portland, Idaho, I mean, uh, Boise, like everyone gave so like that, that mentality and that energy of just like coming in on the weekends and just like giving all of the ener extra energy you have to make something great, like carried through, um, not just like the company that we founded after that, but also just like these these really, really insane projects. And like, I have so many memories from KBBR sessions, just like, you know, sitting around with those guys and like cutting out props and, and like, I mean, like physically building sets, you know, and, and set design and whatnot and like getting really experimental with graphics. And I, and I think it was just, it was an amazing, um, I would encourage anybody, even if you're not in like a leadership position to just like, take advantage of the resources and the experimentation that that student media in college in general can yield because it gets a lot harder <laughs> to like have that much that like that much space to just like try um mm -hmm. i think outside of outside of the institution um not that you can't um i mean especially like especially my relationship with with ziad i think like we are incredibly collaborative creators um, and we always were when I was producing locals I mean like he started on my show and then started his own show <laughs> you know um, like like he yeah I just feel like I met so many people through the through the institution of um, student media and orange media network that then would like go on outside of that and and I see like the friendships from locals I see the friendships the relationships from folks, folks that worked on locals together with me. And I'm just kind of like, you know, those, I, I think that the, the coolest thing about the KBBR sessions, about locals live, about like all of, all of those things is just that like they're, 
if you mess it up, like, there's no consequence and you can always, like, keep trying. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like I had no idea what I was doing, like, the entire time. That's my secret. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I was winging it every day, eating, like, 300 coffee beans, chocolate-covered coffee beans, um, <laughs> like, in the morning of showtime, just, like, being like, I hope this works out. So just um, being I, super caffeinated is the key. You that know, is the, that is absolutely the key. That's the secret to success <laughs> right there, you know. Um, but but yeah, I mean like yeah, I think I think that like I'm very proud of myself what I did in my time at OSU um, and at OMN, but like if I'm being incredibly candid, like I was I I felt like I was winging it even on the nights that I accomplished something great, you know? Like it there's never a time where you like feel prepared enough. <laughs> to like sure. start just start making something and like I don't know if that's you know like too Pinteresty <laughs> you know of a of a quote no, but no. like I, I totally get re- what you're saying you know and I think that I think that a lot of folks feel that way and that's that's normal you know I think when you're when you're in the thick of it you know and you are working on these big projects like that there's always going to be you know a part of us that that feels like oh man you know am I doing the right thing? You know, do, do I have everything under control and all right, let's just roll with it and just make it happen. And you know what, especially in student media, that's okay. Because like you said, it is a place to learn and to grow and to try and fail and try again. And that's okay. So I, I think it's perfectly, perfectly normal what you felt. Um, and, and I think that, you know, a lot of folks probably feel that way too. And that's okay. Yeah. I think that, I think the trick to producing is, um, at least especially if you're producing a broadcast show, but I mean, even my experiences working with Ziad on Taste Tickler and working with Polly on, on Grabbing Life, like, um, even when you would spend, you know, you'd, you'd plan out your rundown and you, you know, you you have it blocked down to the second, literally, um, there's still things that can happen, you know, there's still transitions that don't work the right way. And like, being able to like adapt within seconds and like make decisions constantly is like a skill that I will never ever like take for granted um and I feel like I learned that in food service um I learned that in other areas of my life but man it really like as at least as a producer but even like the director even the camera operators I mean like the whole crew is responsible for pivoting making decisions and helping the show go on and like yeah being being adaptable and very caffeinated are like the two, <laughs> like th- those are the cornerstones of what it what it takes i think to produce anything um, there we go i think that's yeah. important well, uh kat dykstra is the video producer uh at heart creative and a former locals live producer at kbvr tv kat thank you so much for being on the podcast today it was great to catch up with you absolutely thank you so much for having me steven And if you'd like to learn more about Orange Media Network, head to orangemedianetwork.com. This has been the OMN Alumni Podcast. I'm Steven Sandberg. We'll see you next time.